Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. This episode of the show is being sponsored by the Amazonian Plant Handling Center, the Temple of the Way of Light. Uh, I've worked there for a number of years now, um, and I can really attest to the quality of the work that they do. Uh, They're located in the Amazonian rainforest near the Peruvian city of Iquitos. Uh, It's a really beautiful environment, and they run 12-day workshops in which they have six different ceremonies, uh, really working in a holistic, uh, integrative system of of, uh, plant medicine there, working with a group of people called the Shipibo people. Uh, Predominantly, they're working with the plant ayahuasca. And um, within those uh, those ceremonies, they're working with four different indigenous Shipibo doctors or healers, curanderos. There's two to three facilitators. They have a, a yoga teacher. There's bone doctors, massage therapists, uh, an amazing support team, an amazing integration team. So really just an amazing environment to go and experience the profundity of this work and to go really deep into the world of plant medicine uh, in a really uh, safe environment where um, people have the ability to experience all of the, these uh, plants have to offer, the, the healing benefits, the learning benefits. So if you'd like more information about them, you can check out their website at templeofthewayoflight.org, and they are back open and running after a long period of being closed, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. Um, also, myself and my colleague, Marav Artsy, who I interviewed in episode 28 of the podcast, uh, are continuing to run plant dietas uh, here in the Sacred Valley of Peru. The next one we're going to be doing, we're, we're taking a short break and we'll be back in February of next year. And uh, that's a really amazing opportunity to go really deeply into this world of plants, Uh, being in a a process of isolation, of fasting, and working with specific plants, again, with uh, the idea of of healing certain conditions and very much learning from them, beginning to connect in that world of uh, spirit, which is why these plants are often referred to as as plant spirit medicine. Um, So that's a really amazing opportunity to work with myself, my colleagues. Marav and uh, and really go deeply into that process. Uh, if you'd like more information about that, you can check out my website at nicotianarustica.org and also Marav's site at tobaccodiets.com. My guest for today uh, is a really fascinating guy, uh, Dr. Eric Zielinski. Um, I had known about him, I believe, through a, a Netflix special that someone sent to me and then his publicist uh, reached out to me. And uh, this is a topic I've been wanting to speak about for a long time. In the world of plant medicine, there's a lot of different ways we can experience the the healing and the magic of plants as, as medicine, as, as teacher tools. And uh, one of those is through essential oils. And uh, that's what um, Eric specializes in. Uh, he just wrote a book, which is, uh, I believe, out. Um, and it's all about essential oils, about how to use them therapeutically, um, through inhalation, topically, internally. And uh, essential oils are a really powerful medicine. It's uh, something that I've been fascinated by uh, for a long time when I really started my journey with plants as medicine. I think it's a really powerful tool, and he does a really beautiful job at explaining that. Um, so we sat down and had a really beautiful conversation talking about essential oils and just health in general. 
general, the the worldwide situation, uh, personal empowerment, and and religion, spirituality. So it was a really beautiful conversation, and I very much enjoyed it. So I think you all will get a lot out of it. Uh, As always, if you're able to support the podcast, that's a really big help to me to continue to be able to produce these shows. Patreon is a really beautiful option. It's a subscription service. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you sign up for, and the different tiers give uh, different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. So that's a a really big help to me, to all the people who have done that. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the support. And if you are able to do that, that's a really big help. Uh, There's also the ability to donate via PayPal. And also with the YouTube channel, there's the option to join the channel, which gives a lot of the same perks as the Patreon page. Um, if you're not able to do that, as always, uh, just little things like subscribing to the show is a really big help, turning on the notification bell, liking the videos, uh, leaving any questions or comments in the comment section. All of those things really help with the algorithms to get the show out to a bigger audience. Uh, so I think that's it. Uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Eric. Great. Uh, we, we were just chatting a little bit before we started, uh, but I had uh, I had come across you, and your your publicist uh, reached out to me, and. Uh, it's really great to have you on because, uh, as, as most of the people listening know, this is really a podcast about plants and plant medicine and and everything that entails. And uh, I had been interested in essential oils for a long time when I kind of started my journey on on health and wellness and the power of plants. Essential oils was one of the big topics that uh, really had a transformative uh, effect on my life. Uh, just um, you know, little things from making perfumes to to essential oil diffusers and, and just really seeing the, the power of those concentrates. So it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on and, and talk a bit about that. Um, maybe just to start, you, you probably answered this question a thousand times now, but just for the audience to give a little bit of background about who you yeah. are and, and what started you on this journey that, uh, that led you to the place you're at. You know, it's interesting. I've been, I've been asked that question a lot of times, many, many times in the last six, six, seven years of doing this. And I always start at a different place, which is kind of fun. I mean, really, sometimes I start at birth. And when I mentioned birth, I'll mention, you know, my mother didn't breastfeed me. I was formula fed. I was actually um, so overweight that my doctor prescribed them. I told my mom to get me off a of whole milk and put me on 2% milk, right? Interesting. Interesting discussion to have with a one-year-old parent of a one-year-old, two-year-old, and then develop chronic conditions when I was young, maybe because I wasn't breastfed, maybe because we had too many antibiotics in my system, maybe because we ate what I now call the said diet, right? Many people have heard the sad diet, the standard American diet, but you know, I'd argue that it's standard earth diet. Now it's just how people eat this Westernized fast food, processed food. You see it all over the globe. And because of that, you're seeing rising rates of Alzheimer's dementia. You're seeing rising rates of autoimmune condition and obvious the rates of obesity and diabetes and cancers. Just here we are. 
And so I was on the said diet. Dare I say my family and I were very much misled on, on misappropriated medicine from early on till when I became a young adult. And I guess I'll fast forward to when I was in my young twenties, I hit my proverbial rock bottom. And I want to preface that these chronic conditions that I had when I was younger, GI issues, gut issues, um, developed cystic acne. I really, I really fell into a social phobia, like significant anxiety, clinical depression, panic attacks. Like I, I, I dealt with a lot of mental distress, emotional distress. Physically, I looked fine. You know, you couldn't tell, but inside I was just rotting away. I'll never forget when a neurosurgeon evaluated an MRI because of chronic back pain. He said, what did you do to yourself? You have the spine of a 50 year old. And I was, you know, 21 or 22 at the time, but all this caused me. And I think this is something that, that your, your audience know that, that you'll resonate with, but something that caused me to have a deep, significant void in my life. And the physical part just exasperated it, but I, I had emptiness to fill. I, I, I suffered with purposelessness. I, I am and was a very passionate person, but I had nowhere to put that passion, I had nowhere to put that drive. I was just kind of like going through life. And that really caused me to dive into a place that I contemplated taking my life. Now, Technically, that's known as suicide ideation. Thankfully, I never attempted to, but it got to the point where it was serious to me enough. And I hit what people call the proverbial rock bottom. And being raised in a very fundamental um, Catholic environment, I was, you know, I, I, I was raised in this religious experience that had, that was really void of meaning in my household. It was just more about the liturgy. It was more about the ritual. It was more about just doing it for the sake of doing it. And then when I was 23, I met a man whose name is Enoch. He's still a very close friend and a mentor of mine. And I never saw anyone, never saw anyone who lived a life so well-rounded, so balanced. He was a missionary, traveled the world um, on his own dime. I mean, his story is pretty profound, like selling his businesses, taking 35, 40 grand in cash 20 years ago, and just traveling for eight years in Africa and just helping people. That was his story. And then the Philippines and 40 countries left over here. He ended up in Georgia where I met him, but he was healthy emotionally, mentally, financially, and spiritually. And I didn't really know that kind of life existed. Again, I was, I was raised the typical American suburban way outside of Detroit, Michigan, just kind of getting through life, working middle-class, I guess you can call it the working poor. That was my background. And I didn't see people living out purpose, didn't see people living out passion, taking risks, following your dream wasn't part of the paradigm. It wasn't even like part of the discussion not even an option, right? In my family friend environment. But when I met Enoch, my whole world's just like, wow, you mean I, I, I can do maybe important things? I could have a life of meaning. I don't just have to get a job doing whatever it is and work 30 years and hopefully I can retire. I mean, and so in that moment, I had what some people call a Christ realization. I actually had a very significant spiritual epiphany that I was loved I had purpose and I was on the planet for a reason. And that just shifted everything. 
And interestingly, though, from oftentimes people see that from their pain becomes purpose. My pain was physical pain. It was health pain. It was emotional and mental. From that, Enoch, with his help and through prayer, through fasting, and just through my own research, one by one by one by one, all those things have been resolved. And I have such a very sensitive heart, compassionate heart, empathetic heart for people that are suffering right now, chronic conditions. Cause I get that. I get that. I know how in seeing how it chronic mental health issues and physical health can destroy a family unit. I, I could see that. I could see how that could destroy someone's livelihood and purpose. And so from that pain was birthed the purpose in me in my mid twenties, I just started helping people similar to how Enoch helped me for free. And charge people to coach them or help them. Like, hey, have you tried this? You know, I'll never forget. I was selling mortgages at the time, just one of my first jobs right out of college, and had no idea what I was doing. But at least I knew I was going to do something. But I had to pay the bills. And I remember walking in and juicing every morning before I went to work, like the greenest of the greenest, like the nastiest juice stuff you could think of. Right? I I, I love it. People are like, what do you mean? It was nasty. I mean, the collards and the kale and this didn't have any apple in it and no sweet. And I just juiced it because I knew it was healthy for me and I was going to do it. And I remember going to the office and one of my colleagues like, Eric, what's in your juice today? Because when I opened up that juice, it made the whole office stink like green. And it was wonderful. It was healing. But you know what? They kind of made fun of me. And they stopped inviting me to the after hours luncheons and the dinners and stuff because I didn't go. I wasn't eating that food. And, and but you know what? It was funny because they, who do you think they went to when they were sick? It was like, hey, Eric, I, I got a little sniffle. What are you doing? What, what do you think? And that kind of birthed something in me that, you know what? My rudimentary understanding of nutrition and how to heal myself from the stuff that I dealt with really is a lot to someone who's never even thought that way. And so it kind of shifted my paradigm. I kind of, at that moment, I became a healer to people. And, and that was when my mindset changed. Like, you know, I could be a doctor. I could be a natural doctor, someone to help people. Um, And here we are, you know, far wonderful set of circumstances, far beyond this discussion to go into all the details to where I'm at today. But I found bringing things back to essential oils. I found that all the different things on the market that we can, uh, appropriate to her life. Nothing can change us so quickly. Nothing is so widely used. Your cleaning products, your flavoring in your food, your body care products, anything that you smell, medicine. Like I'm, There's nothing like extracting the healing power of plants and, and putting it into a liquid form like we know as essential oils that can impact somebody. So in the spirit of trying to help people and quickly, by the way, because people need to get help quick. I have found that essential oils are one of the best ways. It's like the gateway natural therapy to get someone to consider doing things to change their life. And so I've devoted my, my life to the research and the study and, and writing now my third book about essential oils because they're so impactful and they're so accessible to most people on the planet. Yeah, beautiful. <clears throat> That's quite a quite a story that a that a man named Enoch showed up in your life and <laughs> was kind of like this sage figure. Yeah. Um, so essential oils. I think a lot of people 
would know that by name. They they probably gone to Whole Foods and they 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 see essential oils. Maybe they have a diffuser or something. But I think a lot of people may not think of of that as medicine. So, how how would you describe essential oils? Like what what are they and uh, what is that idea of medicine for you? Because I think for a lot of people, there's a disconnect between what yes. a medicine is, what a plant is, and, and even that idea you mentioned that, that someone can be their own doctor in a way, because that's a very foreign concept to a lot of people. So technically in an essential oil, is a volatile organic compound. So when you put your nose into a rose and you smell the aroma, that's a physical particle. Volatile meaning it's an aromatic compound. Aromatic meaning it evaporates at room temperature, ambient temperature. So that's why when you're cleaning with bleach on one end of the room and someone walks in and the other end, they could smell the bleach because the bleach particles are just floating in the air. Organic meaning it's carbon-based. In compound, meaning there are many different chemicals in one. So when you pick up a bottle of lavender, you're literally looking at 150 to 200 different plant chemicals, chemicals that you might have heard menthol. Many people have heard of menthol, um, eucalyptus menthol, right? Like that is the primary component of spearmint and peppermint. When you extract that chemical, you can mass produce it. You can make Ben Gay. You can make Icy Hot. You can make pain relieving analgesic um, type of, of pulses and properties. And so just that's what they are in a nutshell. And similarly, when you cut a citrus fruit, like when's the last time you might've cut a bergamot or a lemon or, uh, you know, orange or grapefruit. When you, when you, when you cut that fruit in half, you release what's inside the rind, which is our, the essential oil. And then you smell the beautiful aroma. Well, when you cold press that, when you extract it and similar to how, um, olive oil is pressed and extracted, then you get the essential oil from the rind. So why I want to stress the important, and I'm glad you mentioned what you did about medicine. Why I want to stress how the history of essential oils came to be today. It's important to realize that every medicine on the planet today has its basis in plant chemistry through one part of its development or another. It's not like Dr. Susie chemist wakes up from having a vivid dream thinking, oh, if I combine these hydrogens and carbons and nitrogens, I'll make a drug. It doesn't work like that. The basis for medicinal pharmaceutical grade therapeutics comes from medicine at one point or another. And then they do their own thing to it. And then they create their own blends and then they create their own formulations with preservatives and they, they label it and brand it and they do all that patent stuff. But the best sorry, example sorry to interrupt did, did, did the basis of pharmaceuticals come from plants. Correct. So yeah. the best example is willow for thousands of years. Our ancestors, as far as we know, used the willow bark because it's analgesic pain, relieving anti-inflammatory properties. Well, there's a chemical in willow bark. It's a salicylin in the salicylate family. Well, what happens when you extract that from willow? And then you mass produce it and you put a shiny white coating on it. It's called aspirin. It's literally aspirin. And the same thing for your metformin, for your diabetes drugs, your chemotherapy, all that. So whether it's menthol, pinene, eugenol, whether it's linalool, whatever these chemicals are, they're the basis 
And then again, pharmacists and pharmaceutical companies go to another level and then they mix and match and, and it says like chemical soup. But if you're looking at true plant medicine, that is the essential oil. I mean, the, when you're using herbs for healing, roots, when you're eating food, whatever it might be, these, these plants have nutritive properties, vitamins and minerals and all that sort of things that you need to live. Essential oils are non-nutritive bioactive compounds, which is a fancy way of saying you don't need them to live, but they're part of the plant, similar to fiber, polyphenols, and carotenoids, which are all antioxidant rich and necessary for life, for abundant, healthy life. Now, I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but you ask a good question that lends itself like, when you consume an herb, you're getting a lot of different things in it, right? You get the fiber, you get the vitamins, you get the minerals, you get some healing benefits, but it's minuscule. And when you take an essential oil and the ratios are different depending on the oil, but a good example is um, cinnamon bark has a wonderful insulin sensitivity property, ability to help your body balance blood sugar. One drop of cinnamon bark can have the same effect on your blood sugar as a tablespoon of cinnamon powder. That's a significant difference. I've heard other things like one drop of peppermint has the same effect as 20 bags of peppermint tea, that sort of thing. So again, you're looking at concentrating nature. So it's natural, but it's not because you're not going to walk into a field of lavender and see a pool of lavender oil. It's very much manufactured. It's very much human influenced. But I believe that's a gift. I believe that's a gift to extract it. So when you're looking at the therapeutic efficacy, literally nothing, no herb, no food, nothing in nature can compare to an essential oil because it is concentrated. It's like your grape juice concentrate that you get at the supermarket that can make 15 gallons of juice. It's, 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 it's natural, but it's not. And I think that's important because when you think of it like that and you see it for what it really is, it opens up a whole new world. It literally is plant medicine extracted from the plant. And it has a similar effect, the exact effect in many cases on the body's physiology. So when you're inhaling, let's say orange essential oil, you have a dopamine rush, a serotonin rush. When you use bergamot, I mentioned that before, it helps stimulate GABA, a neurotransmitter to stop anxiety. There's so many things that the research has shown to target infection, like carvacrol is a wonderful component, rich um, uh, oregano is rich in carvacrol. Like that is an antiviral S scientists are actually actively looking at using carvacrol in medicine to help fight COVID because it has the ability to break down, um, different cell walls, viral components. I'm not a virologist. I'm not going to pretend like I am, but it can break down bacterial walls. That's why these essential oils can kill MRSA, which is antibiotic resistant bacteria or antifungal resistant fungi. Like drug, where drugs fail, we see essential oils work. It's interesting. Nature combats with nature. Science has a struggle. Science will always, always not have the upper hand when it comes to battling something in nature. That's why we see the virus and that's why we see other things developing and evolving and mutating. And it's like, well, science can't keep up with that, but nature can. It's wonderful.
So when you extract essential oils from plants and you use them as medicine, that is how a lot of people take control of their health. And then I mentioned, I glossed over it, but essential oils are everywhere. I mean, your cleaning products, what do you think makes your goo gone help? Like lemon oil works just as good. Or what do you think flavors your peppermint and patties or anything? Maybe your Zevia, your, that's a popular drink in America, Stevia, sweet and soda pop. Like it says flavoring, essential oil based. Same thing with your body care, your aerosols, your poo-poo sprays. They are everywhere. And then you're thinking, wow, this stuff is interesting. It's all pervasive. It's ubiquitous. And for us, I'll leave, I'll end with this. We have looked at this, what we call like an essential oil transformation, like this essential oil makeover, this essential oil lifestyle is that we start to look at what do we use? What do we eat? What are we breathing? What are we putting on our skin? What are we cleaning with? What's in our medicine cabinet? And then one by one by one by one, We've slowly, over the last 15 years that I've been married with my wife, we've slowly taken out the toxic things, the chemical laden, the pharmaceuticals and all the things that could be linked to cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia. And we've replaced them with either homemade or essential oil-based stuff. And that is like everything in my house. And it's pretty empowering when you realize that you do have that power and to make your own medicine, but to make your own body care, to make your own cleaning products, the list goes on. And so we want to encourage people not to get overwhelmed because it very is easily to get over, it's easy to get overwhelmed by this topic and any topic in health, quite frankly. But when you start to look at things one by one by one, have fun with it, focus on the low hanging fruit, the things that you can afford, the things that are even enjoyable for you to do, right? Things that answer a problem that you have. If it's sleep, let's talk about that. If it's libido, let's talk about that. If it's just, I got an itch on my foot. Okay, let's tackle that, right? Line upon line, precept upon precept, you start to look at your life in a different way. And then you start branching outside of essential oils and you start to see what else can I do? That's why I talk about essential oils being the gateway therapy, because it's so easy to put four drops of lavender in your diffuser to help you sleep at night. I mean, anyone can do that. I mean, that's really easy. And for most people, that's affordable. But if I were to give you 15 things you got to do to change your diet and your exercise regimen, you're probably not going to end up doing it. It's a lot of stuff to do. But anyone can put lavender in their diffuser. And that's what I want to encourage people to do. It's super easy. It's super budget friendly. You end up saving a lot of money when you start making your own stuff. And ultimately, if you're looking at true medicine, it opens up a whole new world for you. Do you have a sense of the the history of essential oils? Uh, I mean, it's interesting, even like the word alcohol, I would imagine that comes from the Arabic, like a lot of these words, like, you know, ah. algebra, alcohol, and, and, and with that, with that in invent of the distillation process, I, I would imagine that's where the essential oils began to come. And, and, and even a lot of things like perfumes and, and, and flower waters and, and this idea of, of, of yeah. taking hydrosols. Uh, do you have yes. a sense of, of, of kind of when that started and, and what the history of that was? Uh, probably a lot in Europe, but I, I would imagine uh, in, in the Middle East as well. Yeah, it's very insightful. So essential oils, as we know them, didn't hit the market, you could say or people 
never experienced essential oils like we know them today until the ninth century AD when Arab alchemists invented steam distillation. So you hit it right on its head. It was very crude steam distillation. Now our steam distillation processes, I mean, just gets down to, to, to the micro level of any sort of contaminant of anything. So it's really true, pure essential oil. But before that, you know, you go back to the perfumes, the salves, the anointing oil. And as a Christian, I, you know, I have a very much, I go back to the Bible, um, a Judeo Christian perspective of history. And I see in the book of Exodus, when God tells Moses, right, here's the anointing oil that you make to purify your, your priests and also cleanse your sacrificial areas, which kind of was really nice antimicrobial because <laughs> they had blood everywhere. They're sacrificing animals. Think about that, right? But God said, take this big old vat of olive oil, put myrrh, cinnamon, calamus in it, and, and, and aloe, and let it just seep. You know, kasha, let it just seep and stay there. And then after a while, you know, take that stuff out and you get this oil. It was an herbal extract. You can do the same thing. You, you can get a ball, B-A-L-L, a ball quart jar, put a bunch of cinnamon bark in it and let that soak with, fill that jar up to the top with olive oil. Let that stir up, you know, shake it once, twice a day. Let that soak for a week. And now you have cinnamon oil. That's really what our ancestors use. They use herbal extracts which has a minute amount of essential oil in it, just enough for the, the fragrance, just enough to get it a very minor, minor therapeutic effect. And we see the same thing with incense. Our ancestors have been using incense as far as we know. I mean, there's a practice in India known as dupe. As you just get frankincense resin and burn it for spiritual cleansing purposes. But there's also a lot of healing mechanism that happens when you inhale burnt frankincense, right? So good observation. It wasn't until Rene Gottfosse, who in a science experiment, um, burned his hand and he was looking at lavender essential oil in the early 20th century. And he put his hand in the lavender oil and it helped prevent infection, helped his hand heal. He founded what we know today as aromatherapy. He's the one who first coined it. He's again, the, we look at him as the father of aromatherapy. His book, Aromatherapy, um, started everything as we know today as a business model, as an industry. So it's a wonderful, wonderful history. But looking, I think it's important to realize though, is our ancestors almost couldn't even conceptualize. Like, I don't even know if they could even really realize what was in the plant. Like, what was it? They just knew it was good. They knew when they did certain things. And it wasn't until the Arab alchemists really started looking at, hey, what, what, what if we steam distill this? And then we get the leftover. And then and that's really where the floral waters came into play, the hydrosols, because that's the excess and that's the byproduct of steam distillation. But our ancestors didn't really have what we had. Like they did very well. They did very well with their pulses and their herbal extracts and their salves and things of that nature, their herbs. They did wonderful with that. But they never had the concentration that we have today. And maybe quite frankly, they didn't need it. That's something to be said. You know, it wasn't really until the industrial re re revolution and the bombonic plague and those areas of life where people just really got it wrong and people created so much pollution, so much damage to the body that we needed something stronger. Like we shouldn't need an antibiotic, right? I mean, our ancestors didn't put themselves in that situation where maybe just at the natural course, and I will consider it the wisdom of God or just how things have evolved over the years. 
it's like we get what we need for the time that we need it. And if we needed essential oils, you know, necessity, oftentimes births invention, if we needed them about, you know, 5,000 years ago, then maybe they would have entered the scene, but it was like, we did okay without them. And as things get more serious, as we become more toxic in this environment, as we contaminate more things, it's like we need stronger and stronger and stronger medicines and natural therapies just to keep us alive. So that's an interesting thing I actually never thought about until recently is that oftentimes, you know, we get what we need when we need it. And here we are in the sense where now there's a much more of a mass awareness of essential oils where 15, 20 years ago, yeah, people heard of them, but they never really think twice about them. Like now they're in Walmart, right? They're mainstream. Anyone can get them almost anywhere. And that is actually a problem because 75 to 80% of the oils on the market are adulterated, very similar to olive oil and CBD and coffee, wine, some of the most adulterated products, mislabeled products on the planet. And so you have unscrupulous marketers trying to take advantage of a situation and you have very well-meaning, well-intentioned multi-level marketers who are trying to help people with the big companies. And then you got folks like me who are trying to educate. I don't sell them. I'm brand neutral. It gives me the freedom to say a lot of the things that, that I say. And it's a really interesting environment to be in. And ultimately, I embrace the season. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what we have because I do believe that we have exactly what we need right now to thrive. Everything that you need right now, it could be a conglomeration of whatever it is that you feel led to do. But right now I feel we have all the tools that we need to overcome any obstacle or any sort of health condition that are, we are approaching or we are facing. And we do have the innovation and the ingenuity to come up with those personalized solutions. And that's why I love essential oil lifestyle. That's why I love personalized nutrition. That's why I love thinking about me different than I would think about you. Yeah, great. <clears throat> yeah, the, the religious aspect, I, I'd love to, to come back to that maybe a bit later on in the podcast. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's, that is a really interesting point that you brought up. I mean, even in herbalism, there's always this idea that the the remedy never grows far from the, the, the problem. So, uh, yes. you know, you're, it sounds like you're in Georgia. I, I grew up in Virginia and it was always a fascinating thing as a kid is uh, I used to get poison ivy a lot. And, and then I found out that the remedy, gymsum weed, uh, or sorry, touch me not was, uh, was right next to it. It was almost always yeah. there. And, uh, and it's, you know, this, this kind of, this beautiful thing, or we see often in people's lawns, they, 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 they want to tear everything down to, to plant this one type of grass. And yet in their lawn are all of these amazing remedies, things like dandelion and nettles and, you know, all of these weeds, which are our medicine. Um, so in terms of essential you know, oils, I'm glad you said that that's so important. I mean, a thousand years ago, that's what, you needed. That's all you needed. And you like, I like that. And I want to, this is where we bring it kind of back to like indigenous sourcing and stuff. The Australians, obviously, cause they have tea tree and, and in abundance, Melaleuca, right. They have eucalyptus in abundance. They'll use that for everything. 
and you go to the Pacific Northwest and you see a lot of Native American cultures using peppermint for everything. Like, and that's the other thing kind of gets you out of the mindset where there is an oil for that. There is a remedy for that. No, it's like you use what you have in your backyard and it's going to get you through. But the problem is about, right, when global travel happened, now we have a contamination. Now we are introducing, I mean, look what happened during the slave trade and how different diseases, just like the simple flu wiped out villages. They just didn't have the immunity to that over the course of, of evolving in that and growing in that environment. So we've created this system where now we have to look at instead our backyard is the world. I guess that would be my, my, my take on what you just shared is very much that is how our ancestors lived and thrived until global travel and until cross-contamination. And that's really what ended up happening. And we need to look at our backyard in a global sense because we truly are children of the world now in a sense where you, you can't just rely on what you can grow in your backyard anymore because you're going to be combating now a virus that started where? Right? Around the world. Uh, I didn't develop resistance to that. I have no way of developing resistance to that right now. I got to start from scratch. So when you take that paradigm, it's a very interesting thing, but it, it, I, I really appreciate what you shared because it is so true. It, and I believe now that we've created these global phenomenons, I mean, really, I mean, the pandemic right now, the COVID pandemic is the perfect example. Like this is a global condition. This is a global disease. We have to look at this with a global mindset. I'm not going to beat it. I don't think with what's growing in my backyard, we've got to look at what is my proverbial backyard and how do we all approach this together and that's the nice thing about the market because we can get herbs and spices and essential oils and other remedies from other parts of the world and look where you're at right i mean a cornucopia of healing right in your backyard it's wonderful i'd love to hear more about essential oils in your environment because i can't buy the ones that you probably can extract Extract or distill in your backyard. I mean, I'm actually curious what sort of essential oils are indigenous to the area where you live and are you finding them even more potent and, and powerful than the ones we might use in what the industrial countries? What are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. You, you mentioned this idea like of, of the slave trade and, and, and coming to the new world. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, you know, a lot of people think that kind of the, the driving force was gold or, you know, riches, but from my understanding, it was actually spices. It was these very valuable spices that they were looking for. And that's kind of the, the story that we're taught in school where Columbus came and he was looking for India, but he got lost and, <laughs> and found the Americas, but he was looking for these spices, the, these spices that were so highly valued that they were actually worth more than their weight in gold. Uh, things like cinnamon and nutmeg and, and cardamom, and you know they were using them to preserve meats. And but but it was also this this amazing like delicacy. It was these these yes. flavors that the Europeans had never experienced before, and it was like this almost like this orgasmic thing where they 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 experienced this flavor that was so novel to their palate that it was just this amazing thing and and they spent tremendous resources to try and find these new trade routes to find these things um <clears throat> here where i am uh people don't really use essential oils 
And, and I think one of the main reasons is because there, from my knowledge, there wasn't that technology of distilling alcohol. Uh, but, you know, with the, with the comings of, of the Europeans, with the Africans and that technology, uh, they did start to. So even a lot of, you know, it's interesting because even a lot of these traditional remedies here, um, because very much whether it's in the jungle or the Andes here, there is this very holistic system of, of medicine where uh, kind of, as you were alluding to that, that, you know, even in your own life, you saw that, that a lot of your physical ailments were not necessarily just something purely physical, that they were manifesting through your lifestyle, your thought patterns, your upbringing. I think, as you mentioned very wisely, even, you know, these ideas that some of us don't think about, like the, the microbiome that we pass through when, when we're birthed, whether we're uh, brought out through a C-section, whether we were breastfed, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. all of these things, they're, they're, they're super important. So there's a similar holistic view of medicine here. So it's, it's, it's very often trying to treat uh, the root cause rather than just the symptom. And so that often uh, it, it could be kind of seen as healing on the three levels that there's the physical, which is the, the basis level. And, and it's not that it's, it's unreal. It's very real, but that prior to that, there's the mental emotional component, which leads to the, the physical, <clears throat> but they would even often take it one step further and say, there's the spiritual component yep. and that that's actually primary. <clears throat> and as we get disconnected from spirit, from God, uh, however we want to look at it, that's where the mental emotional issues begin to arise. And then the physical ailments begin to arise from that. And, and that's something, like I said, I'd love to talk to you maybe later on in the podcast about your own uh, kind of journey with, with God and spirit. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people are afraid to talk about in a way. And, and it's something I think, which is, is very important. Um, but interestingly with, with a lot of these traditional medicines, they do use either not so much essential oils, but like hydrosols now or perfumes. Okay. And it's a very big part of the medicine, whether that's uh, mm. bathing with certain plants to, to cleanse oneself, mm. not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, uh, working with different perfumes uh, to, because I, I think that's something we don't think about a lot too, is, is the original idea behind perfumes wasn't to smell good. Uh, you know, perfumes actually were used medicinally to induce certain things. So uh, here there's still a, a very big practice of making perfumes, whether that's to attract money or attract love, yes. you know, probably most from the West, we use the the perfumes with that idea of more attracting love, you know, like I'm, I'm using these smells that are going to make me more enticeable to, to the opposite sex or same sex, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. it is, mm -hmm. but, uh, but, you know, using them for a whole host of, of things. And, and, and again, really understanding that there is power in that power in those oils, power in those smells, um, you know, it, it's even something I think I heard you, I listened to another podcast you did and, and something you said, which, you know, when I was very young, I was very sensitive to smell and maybe it's my, my big nose, but, but I would remember going into a lot of stores and just being overcome by this like artificial scent. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable. 
whether that was walking through, you know, the Kmart and the, the cleaning section yep. or yep. Uh, perfume stores and whether that's Bloomingdale's or Macy's. And, and so I think there's a real, there's a power that we often don't think about or going to the gas station, you know, sometimes that yes. can be kind of overwhelming and or intoxicating for some people because they, they're, they're, they're becoming <clears throat> here. They would use the, the word mariado, which is kind of the effect when we take a very strong plant that it begins to affect our, our consciousness in a way, our sense of, of balance. And that, you know, it's, it, it, it's no surprise that, that, that if someone is in a gas station for a long period, they can start to feel the effects through that smell. Like those chemicals are coming in and altering us. Um, but, uh, our sense of smell is our primal sense. I mean, it really is. It really, at the core level, it, it, it was something that we developed to protect us, to guide us. I mean, I'm thinking back, you know, we never know how this happened, but how did our ancestors figure out which foods to eat and which not? Maybe trial by error, but after a couple of people died by eating those poisonous berries, they probably wised up a little bit. I mean, just think in terms of how important your senses are, sight, he hearing, touch, taste, smell. We've neglected our sense of smell. And it dawned on me during one of the series of interviews I've done for this latest book. I was like, you know what? Why do we even have smoke detectors in the home? I mean, just think about that for a minute. We've, we've become so desensitized to smell that we now have smoke detectors, which is basically law. Like if you rent out a home, you have to have a smoke detector, but think about it. Why isn't it law that you have to have surveillance cameras to help with your site, right? Or something of other, some sort of sensation that you, that you might rely on. I mean, I, what invisible smell is there that the smoke detector gets? It's something where we have become reliant on the other senses because we don't need smell anymore like we used to but the danger is because you mentioned many people have dampened that sense to now where they don't even have that evolutionary advantage of knowing what's dangerous or not and this is the litmus test and i'm glad you said what you did if you can walk down that cleaning aisle at the box big box store whatever the big box is whatever the big store that you're shopping, your cleaning aisles. If you could go down that aisle and not get some sort of negative reaction, including headaches, nausea, palpitations, sweaty hands, just yuck, I don't like this or whatever it might be, or sneezing, especially runny nose, like allergic reaction. If you do not experience that, that's a red flag. That means that you have dampened and desensitized your sense of smell. That is synonymous to a diabetic who now cannot feel their extremities. And that's why diabetic neuropathy and diabetic problems for people, that's why they have to check the bottoms of their feet on a regular basis. Because if you can't feel your feet, and if you can't feel your extremities, and if you get an infection, that's where amputation comes into play. Pain is a good thing. Pain is a good thing because if you do not take your hand out of the fire, your hand will burn off eventually. Smell is a good thing. But if you do not notice and smell the toxins in the air, 
that will put your brain at risk. And this is a fact of neurological inflammation. Why do we think so many people right now have Alzheimer's and dementia specifically? And I'm not even counting the other chronic conditions we can. I do not want to discount the other chronic conditions that artificial fragrances have been linked to, including cancer, including COPD, as you would think, allergies, autism, ADHD. But just, I mean, Alzheimer's and dementia, and it hits home because a friend of my dad's, like my dad's 70, what, uh, three years old this year. My dad's good childhood buddy just died like two weeks ago from Alzheimer's. Um, that wasn't a thing 20, 30, 50, 60, 100 years ago. I mean, the rising cases and the reason, and we can maybe land on this for a minute, is over sanitation. That is actually a fact. Over sanitation, not over cleanliness, over sanitation, reducing the bacteria that our bodies are exposed to, which is linked to brain inflammation, but also inhaling that constant influx of inhaling artificial fragrances. And they're everywhere, everywhere. And I glossed over it, but the cleaning products, the body care products, your poo-poo spray, your aerosols, they are everywhere. You're in the bathroom at the local gas station if you're traveling through the interstate of America. And next thing you know, you hear this, psst, and you look like what, what, what? And you look in the corner and they're spraying chemicals at you. They're defogging you. It's a fogger. Like right there. Like I need a spray to, to and it, it, it's, it's scary how normal that has become, but how people embrace it. You mentioned the intoxicating aspect of it. At first, there's that cringe. Ugh. Or at first it's kids. Kids can't hide anything. I have five children. I've learned so much from my children, but you get my kids in that environment. Next thing you know, they got their shirt over their, their mouth and their, their nose because they can't breathe it. Oh, this smells so bad. Well, you expose them to that every day, day after day, 10 years to get used to it. It's just like putting your hand to the fire. And if you don't take your hand out, it's going to burn. Your sense of smell is your primal sense your limbic system, your mood, your memory, your emotions, the first part of your brain that develops. It's what controls your autonomic function, your heart rate, your breathing rate, your rest. That, that is the brain through smell. Unlike the other senses in the body, where the sense of pain, let's go back to that. When's the last time you hurt yourself? Think about the last time you stubbed the toe or the last time you might've accidentally cut your hand, you know, chopping vegetables or fruit in the in the kitchen. There was that split second or two that took your body to realize it got hurt, right? You stub your toe. Ooh, did I really stub your toe? Oops. Yeah. Ouch. And then, right. Same thing. It's that split second. The reason it takes a minute, not a minute, proverbial minute, minute, take a millisecond to interpret that is because it's the input sensation needs to be interpreted. It's called through the thalamus, which is a part of the brain. It's the thalamic relay. It's basically the brain saying, Hey, we got an input. We got, we, what's up. We got a pain here. And then the brain's like, oops. All right, do this. Jerk your hand back, say, ow, maybe hopefully you're not, you know, spitting out an expletive, right? Blankety blank, whatever it is, what's your knee jerk reaction to getting hurt. That takes a minute that, that in the mind, right? It takes a second to process. When you smell something, there is no thalamic relay. It's the only sense in the body that has a direct impact to the brain. When you snort cocaine, you get an immediate high. 
you don't get an immediate high when you inject heroin. That's one of the reasons why cocaine addicts snort cocaine. It's the quickest, fastest, most effective way of getting a high. Boom. Gets to the brain. Bam. When you smell something, it will trigger something immediately. A sympathetic fight or flight response, danger, 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 get out of here, or ooh, parasympathetic, rest, digest, I can calm, I can relax, I can let my guard down. Your sense of smell is so powerful, and it's something that we're trying to help people bring back to it. The very least, what I call stop the bleeding, at least stop the constant influx of the chemicals, the airborne pathogens. Now, Jason, I've been talking about this stuff for years. And up until again, recently, now everyone's talking about airborne pathogens, airborne environmental threats. Like this is because of the pandemic, like it's, it's an airborne thing. What about the other airborne stuff? I mean, let's take what we have, this awareness of an airborne threat that could hurt you, could kill you. What about the other things that might not be as deadly immediately, but they are deadly long-term? I mean, ultimately, even last year, more people died of cancer than, than of COVID, right? I mean, just think about the chronic diseases as a whole. We can't discount the other stuff because of this big giant that everyone's facing, right? That's a whole nother topic. But think about the airborne threat in your home. Big takeaway for everyone. If you can afford it, please save your money. You need a high-powered air purifier in your home. I would say get as many as you can to fill as many rooms as you can that are in that are being used. Bedrooms for you and the kids, living spaces. We have eight portable air purifiers in our home. And these air purifiers, and then I'm not even going to tell you which one. I, I, I'm even, this isn't a sales pitch. It's, it's a, you got to get one. You got to find one. You got to research one. Get one a high powered HEPA, H-E-P-A. These filters take out like 99.97% of viruses, bacteria, fungi, airborne pathogens, mold, your VOCs that you shouldn't be breathing from your carpet and your upholstery and from your paint, all the materials that are just, you know, first stop the bleeding. First, stop that stuff. Throw away your aerosols. Throw away your poo-poo sprays. Throw away your plugins. Throw away your body care that says the word fragrance or perfume. Start to be an avid label reader. Of course, we hear about that all the time in your food. And I'll great, great. I the nutrition label is absolutely useless to me. I do not need to know how many percent of carbs, fats, protein. I don't care how much vitamin C is in a food. What I care about what's in the food. What is the ingredient list? That's the most important thing. Take that mentality to your body care and your cleaning products. Slowly stop, stop the bleeding, stop the influx of toxic chemicals. And guess what happens? You'll become so resistant in a good way because you are now going to essentially detoxify your olfactory system, give your body a break from all that. So now You'll have like a nose of like a, you know, of, of I'm thinking like a, one of the, what do they call those canine drug unit, bomb unit dogs in the, you know, in, in, in the police force. Like you'll have that nose where now you're going to have to hold your breath to walk through the aisle at Walmart because you can't stomach those chemicals. I literally can't stomach it. It's just, ugh. just like I can't keep my hand in a fire. It's going to burn. It's, it's that toxic. It's that dangerous. 
And now you start to enjoy the natural aromas. Like I can't wait to be done with this interview to go outside and breathe fresh air. Not that I can't wait to be done. So I know not to be rude, but you know what I mean? Like getting that mindset. I can't wait to get outside to get some fresh air. I'm inside right now. I have my essential oils going. I'm bringing outside in, but let me give you a tip. And this is, I'm really not being a good salesman for my book right now. Research has shown that if you really want the benefits of breathing aromatic compounds, being out in nature gives you a more profound effect on your immune system, your mental health, your emotional health, than actually breathing essential oils. Nature's best, y'all. Nature is best. Nothing can compare to the healing aspects of nature. So when I'm diffusing essential oils behind me, it's second best. But you know what? I'd rather do that than nothing. And in fact, it's really nice because I'm in my home a lot. Like a lot of people are before the pandemic, 93% of all people are in their home in America and industrial uh, countries. 93% of your time was spent indoors. Now, because of the pandemic, some people literally haven't left their home in almost two years. What are you breathing all day long? I can't wait to get outside, breathe that fresh air, breathe those natural volatile organic compounds being emitted from the plants and just enjoy the experience. Again, there's so much more grounding. There's so much more experience about tasting and experiencing, listening, the sacred geometry of being. Essential oils are second best. And I'm going to be, I'm going to put that on record. They are second best. First best is being outside, enjoying that as much as humanly possible. But here's a cool thing. I don't know if we want to dive into forest bathing for a minute or not. But a forest bathing experience is just being out in nature. Shinrin yoku is a Japanese term. Just being out, submersing yourself with really no obligation, no motive other than just a being, just being in nature. You can hike if you want to, but don't, don't, don't take it overboard. You know, you could do some yoga. You can relax. Just be, enjoy, go on a nice stroll, whatever. Being out in nature for two hours. And it can even be a densely wooded park, right? What if you live in New York City or LA or something? You, you, you could find areas with trees and just nature. The immune system responds where your natural killer cell production starts to ramp up. Those are the immune system cells that kill cancer, prevents cancer. And mental health, stress, anxiety, depression, overwhelm, burnout. It's like everything just resets. One two-hour session or being outside for two hours will have a 30-day effect on your mental, emotional, and physical health, primarily your immune system for 30 days. And they measure people. They're like, okay, what's your natural killer cell production right after forest bathing? And every week they saw, wow, it's elevated, still above baseline. They did the same thing with essential oils. And yes, the levels skyrocketed, but not as much as nature. Wow, it's profound. So what do I do? I try to go out as nature as much as possible. I take my fresh air breaks. I try to take my conference calls and meetings outside. I try to get two hours of just being out once or twice a month if I can with the kids or just getting out. And then in using essential oils throughout the day, because we're bringing nature in. But we're also, if you could see in the video behind me, we have plants in the house. We have beautiful nature photography and artwork in the home. We try to listen to the sounds of nature. It's an experience that has transformed my whole life. It's just, again, this essential oil lifestyle that, that we propose. It's part and parcel to everything. It's a wonderful, wonderful life. 
And if there's one thing that the pandemic taught me and my wife, especially when we are in a place like many people were forced quarantine, forced lockdown, shelter in place, right? When it was like, it was the thing. Everyone was doing it. You had to do it or maybe not. Like we actually have people on our team right now that live in the Philippines. They literally can't leave their home. I mean, like martial law lockdown kind of thing. What do you do? Make your house a healthy, safe haven to the best of your ability, including decluttering some feng shui stuff, smells, sights, sounds, create a healing place, a healing Mecca in your home, a sacred sanctuary. And, and that's really where essential oils are worthwhile, in my opinion. And then enjoy, because ultimately we can't change our circumstances. We can't really affect or control what's happening around us, but we have a direct ability to impact how we respond to things. And we'll use the word empowerment. It's not a marketing slogan. It's not been hijacked by multi-level marketers, but essential oils this lifestyle, this do-it-yourself, it's empowering. You get your control back. And it's pervasive in every area of life. And I'll, and I'll end people with this, kind of bringing full circle to one of your first questions of who I am and why. This is my purpose. And yes, it's nice to enjoy this life, but I just didn't, I, I felt almost guilty. I felt morally obligated to share this stuff with people. And it was my friends and family at first. It was really anyone who would give me a listen. Like, okay, let's see what this guy has to say, right? And at that point, it was all about stop eating fast food, stay away from sugar, you know, pray, meditate, take care of your health, like little base, the basic things. And then as I've grown in advance, I'm like, you know what? I really have a lot of knowledge in this area. I got to give it back. And it's been so rewarding helping people. And my wife, by the way, my wife is a magnificent healer. And I'll say, all the women listening, I believe truly, truly in the maternal gift of being the healer of the home. I believe it. I see it in so many areas that women specifically, women have something that men just don't have. And I don't think we need it in the design that we have. I don't think we need it in the way that a woman does. Nurturing, caring. My wife is exclusively best breastfed home birthed or five children, right? That whole experience. She is the source of life. And I never knew how really insignificant I was in the experience. I mean, no joke. I can't feed my baby. There's no, I, I don't have the plumbing. I don't have the parts. I could change a diaper. I can massage my wife's feet. Everything was on her. She was the source of life on every aspect. And you know what? When things went wrong with the baby, just she just knew there was this huge intuitive aspect, but also passing down from generation to generation, the healing mother, the healing woman. And so I'm blessed to have that woman who's really tapped into that part of her life. So I take the research, I talk to my wife, but the thing is my wife has been helping people in, in her own leche groups or breast home birth groups, whatever in mine is breastfeeding groups. Like these women, you women, you're magnificent. And, and if I could tap in and some of the guys that are listening right now, they're like, yeah, you know, I want to help people too. like start being the light 
in the darkness around you, because there is a lot of darkness of fear, of doubt, of unbelief, of, of none, of lack of sufficiency, self-sufficiency. You start to shine your light and encourage people and help people. My wife coaches and helps people all day long. It's like what she does. It gives her so much purpose. And if this resonates with you, especially after listening an hour into the talk, whatever, now like, wow, if this resonates with you, we need you. We need more people to just live this life and to help freely, to help freely. I'm not getting paid for this podcast. Yeah, I hope you buy a book, but I don't care if you do or don't. It's, It's not my motive, you know? It's not what keeps my, it's not what keeps me going. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to ultimately make a living doing something that I love because work now becomes passion and and there is no work. You do what you love, you love what you do. So just kind of feel led to share that, encourage some folks that you can be that source of hope and light in your circle of influence. However small or large it might be, let's not get hung up in the numbers. Let's, let's get hung up on who we are. And that's when my life changed on a spiritual level, when I had meaning, because I truly believe the world will never be what it needs to be, a place of peace, love, harmony, until everyone fulfills what I believe is their purpose. And I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me. And it seems very apparent. And I love it. It's who I am. It's my breath of life. And to help someone find that is a joy. It's a true joy. When you receive the source from the divine, when you realize why you're here. And ultimately, that really brings a lot, a lot full circle, even in our conversation. But people that are wondering, when, when your mindset gets away from like, I just don't want to be sick. I want to live till I'm 100. Like, what's your why? What's your purpose? You know, my purpose for living the way I do is to fulfill my calling. And that, by the way, is a little, we talk about this in the diabetes obesity chapter of my book. I'm like, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want, why? And for me, number one is for God. I have, I believe, a moral obligation to take care of this temple. It's truly the only thing that I was given. Nothing else when I enter in this world other than this body, in my opinion, is all I have, earthly-wise. I need to take care of it. It's an obligation. So now, guess what? I become accountable to a divine power. I become accountable to my creator. I become accountable to my God in the way that I eat in the way that I live, that supersedes anything that you want to get into skinny jeans to look good or to fit into a dress for your daughter's wedding. Like that's why fad diets fail. That's why people go on the diet yo-yo. If your why isn't rooted into something that I believe has to be even above you. And my second why is for my family, for my people, for the people that rely on me, you know, as a Christian, it's very heart-wrenching for me to be in this circle of people to try to fellowship and oftentimes a struggle and commune with people that don't get this. I mean, the Southern Baptist Association, right, which we're from Georgia, tons of Southern Baptist people in the area. I mean, it's statistically one of the overweight, sickest people in the country. I mean, they're biscuits and gravy, they're eating their way, 
You can't pray over McDonald's and expect God to make into a health food. And this mentality where people are not focused on their health and they're like, oh, we have faith that don't matter. And I'm like to a pastor friend of mine, well, brother, you can't preach when you're dead. How many of our friends, how many of our colleagues have to die of heart attacks at 50, 60, 70, even 80 prematurely before we realize, you know, I do reap what I sow. So it's a struggle. It's a struggle of people of faith, not recognizing. So for people that have a purpose, for people that have a family, people rely on you. We got to take care of ourselves. And ultimately for you, I mean, that, that to me is the third why. Like for me, I mean, I, I, need, a, I need to be confident in who I am. I, I need to love myself. And it's hard. It really is hard for people to appreciate who they are. And to practice self-love when every time you look in the mirror and you're like, you're fat and ugly. Well, number one, you could do something about that. It's how you think for sure. You're viewing yourself differently. This isn't fat shaming, but let's call out the elephant in the room. We can't normalize obesity. That means we're normalizing premature death. And I think that's really dangerous in what we're doing right now in this culture where we're normalizing everything that could be potentially dangerous for people. I, I don't want to normalize obesity because if I do, it's going to justify someone from not changing and you will die sooner than later, prematurely from a complication of that. And I don't know how that serves people. Now, neither do we fat shame. How do we balance this? How do we like, look, let's just be healthy. We could be healthy, not a matter how we look, but we need to be healthy for God, for our, our influence, our people, and for us. And that just shifts this empowerment that shifts. It puts the onus on you. And this way of life permeates everything, what you eat, what you do, what you put on your body, what you smell. It's life-changing, at least in my opinion. It's life-changing for people that, that get it and that start on this path. That was beautiful, Eric. Uh, everything you just said, I, I agree with. I, uh, I think that's going to be the, the promo clip for this. <laughs> um, there was so much there, uh, but one of the things that I want to touch on and, and kind of bringing it back to essential oils is, you know, you use this idea of kind of the worldwide situation we're in, which there, there, there's no avoiding that. And, and that's something that's very much in people's minds, but it, you know, and, and again, it's, it's hard when you look at statistics, but it seems like what the statistics show is that this has really been more problematic for people in more developed countries. And, and I think yes. there's a lot of reasons for that, of these chronic ailments, these underlying health conditions, even the way, as you said, we approach sickness, which is, is, is fighting it instead of trying to come to a balance with it, uh, trying to kill the pathogen rather than finding ways to booster our own health. So that, as you said, this inherent intelligence of nature of, of creation is always going to be superior than, than what we think the solution is. And I think you see that even with, with you know, hopefully this doesn't get as banned, but, but even as you see, it, it seems like the vaccine uh, efficacy begins to fail after a few months and, and natural immunity seems to be far superior because there's something that 
in this way we're not able to replicate and this idea of the power of nature you know i remember seeing in the beginning this idea of like like cleansing our hands as as best we can with all of these chemicals which strip the the skin of these super important microbes yeah. and bacteria that naturally allow us to 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 I don't want to use the word resist, but, but to, again, to, to bring a balance so that these things don't have as much of effect. So, uh, and you know, that's something that, that I really found when I began this journey was when I started switching over, because there was this desensitization of, of, you know, I would use some chemical soap that just everyone buys at the store or chemical shampoo. That's, you know, even if it seemed like it was healthy, you know, mm -hmm. actually, once you learn these things and you read the ingredients, you realize, well, it's just all chemicals. Mm -hmm. Maybe they put some, you know, natural uh, rosemary or something and, and call it natural. But, but once you begin to switch, you know, now I, I can't use that chemical soap. I mean, I could, but I wouldn't want to, there, there would be no reason. I'd rather almost not wash my hands than use that because I can feel it. I can feel it in my skin. Um, so this idea of, of the power of, of plants, of nature, of, of creation, can you speak a little bit about how one can begin to integrate these essential oils into their life? Uh, you mentioned this idea of aromatherapy, bringing them into the house, uh, I would imagine there's also the idea of using them medicinally, whether it's for certain ailments, uh, whether that's people have digestive orders or as you said, anxiety. So using them for, for very specific treatments. Uh, also, I would imagine using them in food, using them for massage. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there, there's so many ways that people can begin to use these. And, and I know that's a big question, but could you just touch a bit on, on ways that, uh, that people can begin to bring these into their, their house and, and begin to develop a relationship with them? Yeah. And I, I want to begin with being outside. And that's something that anyone can do even now. If you can just get outside, even as you listen to this, try to put yourself in a position where you are in a place where there are plants, trees around you, surrounding you. And I want you to experience aromatherapy like that first. I think that's important to, to get that into a regular cleansing experience, like literally cleansing your olfactory system, your, your nasal passageways, breathing, understanding what it's like to get that. Cause there's, there's part of you that once you truly embrace that experience, you're going to experience on, on a lesser level when you incorporate essential oils into your home, but it's knowing, it's knowing what to look for. I think that's important. It's knowing what to look for. The more you do that, the less resistant you're going to be and the more sensitive you're going to be to the chemicals that you're not going to want to be around. So just make that part of this. I really do make that part of it. Also try, please get an air purifier in your home. Um, get out those chemicals in the air. And as you're doing that, then you, my book, by the way, the essential oils apothecary is just filled, like filled with 250 more recipes, remedies, looking at ways of making your own soap and some basic things that we kind of cram in the one-on-one section because 75% of the book is all about chronic conditions like anxiety and stress and depression and libido, erectile dysfunction, cancer, um, Parkinson's, right? So start to 
I would incorporate starting at a place that you want to. Um, that's relative to everybody. So for example, if, if the recent news that the Food and Drug Administration just banned another hand sanitizer, if that kind of got you, they're like, if you wonder, wow, is the hand sanitizer I'm using, is that going to end up being outlawed or banned? Because the FDA said there's a chemical in it. Again, this is after banning, what, 150 or whatever, dozens of them last year. This is, again, 2021 in October. The FDA just came out with another one. Hey, there's an ingredient in XYZ hand sanitizer that has been shown to cause cancer. So don't use it. Okay, that should be putting a, a healthy fear in all store-bought hand sanitizers or any of them going to be end up on the list. For example, if that resonates with you, make your own. That's a place where I would have you start. It's a pain point, we call it. It's something that touches home. It's something you're going to be motivated. It's a place where you're going to now be able to trust yourself more than trust a company that maybe you're already suspect. Simple way, getting a high proof alcohol. If you can get it in America, Everclear, 180 proof, you want an organic grain alcohol or whatever highest proof vodka you could get. Essentially, you get a spray bottle, like a one ounce or two ounce glass spray bottle. I'm holding one. You can get these bottles online, Amazon, your natural health food store, whatever. And you put 20 to 30 drops of essential oil in there, whatever we can talk about which ones, but whatever you want, actually. And then you fill the rest up with alcohol. That is your hand sanitizer. And what essential oils have, unlike chemicals, unlike antibiotics, unlike cancer, which kills everything, right? Essential oils have what's known as researchers call it cell selectivity. They actually literally target pathogenic bacteria and leave the healthy bacteria alone. We need a symbiosis with healthy bacteria and, and have those bacteria, the fungi in the body to interact with the viruses that are naturally occurring around our body to then help fight off the disease causing ones. So when then when you're applying this on your hands, if you need to, and we, by the way, could question why we're even using hand sanitizer to begin with, or how much we should use it for. What the research has shown is now that's going to help flourish a more healthy, balanced microbiome on your skin. And that could prevent a condition I talk about in the book called leaky skin. Many people have heard of leaky gut intestinal permeability, where through stress and inflammation, the intestinal microvilli in the gut ends up separating and now proteins and chemicals seep through into the bloodstream, which can cause havoc on the body. Same thing happens to your skin. Your skin is your microbiome. I mean, it's just like your gut lining in that sense. And you have trillions and trillions of microorganisms that make up our skin. Well, through drying, dehydrating products, through chemicals, through just sometimes neglect, the skin ends up having little slits in it. You can't see it. No blood transfer. It's not like it's bleeding, but it's leaky skin. It's actually a known term in the dermal, uh, the, the dermatology um, industry and profession. Not many people are talking about it though, right? It's, it hasn't made mainstream like leaky gut, but there's also like leaky brain too. Same concept, brain, brain damage at a micro level, not going to cause dementia today, but long-term it might hurt the brain to the point where it could develop brain inflammation. So thinking in terms of protecting your skin, hand sanitizer, um, Going back to the aerosols, 
going back to which oils to use. This is the fun part. A, I want to really stress the importance of buying what you can afford. You know, maybe you don't need to get Roman chamomile or frankincense, which can get up to be a little more money, sometimes a lot more money than orange. Orange oil, I love. It's wonderful. Rich in a chemical known as limonene, D-limonene. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's been shown to kill cancer cells, boost serotonin, boost dopamine. It's a natural antibi um, antibiotic. It's a natural anti-inflammatory. It's a natural mood booster. It's wonderful. And it's usually only five or six, 10 bucks a bottle. I mean, it's most, most people can hopefully afford that. Start like that. And then that would be a great one to put in your hand sanitizer. If you're looking to boost your mood or just make you feel better. Um, if you're looking at, a, you know, again, going back to the hand sanitizer, if you're looking at something to calm you down, well, that's where lavender comes into play, or maybe a floral like geranium or clary sage, or if you're into the earthy smells, that's where um, something like a cedar wood or pine cypress, something that we could smell from the tree experience. We talked about tree medicine, forest bathing. Ultimately, the sky's the limit because all the essential oils are antimicrobial. It's really about finding one that enhances your experience. And same thing with the diffuser and same thing with um, replacing your aerosols, like even making your own poo-poo spray. I mean, that recipe I just shared actually doubles up as a poo-poo spray in your toilet. I mean, what do you got behind your toilet? Febreze, throw it away. Try that now instead. Like, oh, I can use the same thing. And if you modify the recipe a little bit, you can eat, that becomes the same thing as like your cologne or your perfume. Really the same thing? Yeah. I mean, we're talking multi-purpose and it could clean counters and it could make your, your, your cake and have, you know, it does everything, right? It's like, I'm an infomercial. You start to see the ubiquitous use of all this stuff. Like, oh, wow. Right. Making your own body salve. I'll give you a little thing. Going back to orange. And there was a research study that evaluated overwhelm and burnout. And they wanted to see what caused frustration. And they wanted to see how to help people um, or what could elicit hopelessness and helplessness. So they took two groups of people, about 40, group, 40 people in each group, and they assigned each group of people to a hopeless, helpless task. And the hopeless, helpless task, this was several, you know, a few, four or five years, I believe it would go. Interestingly, almost prophetic, the task was to solve social um, discrimination essentially racism. It's interesting. Okay. Good luck. 40 people got a piece of paper and a pencil, solve racism in 15 minutes. Well, that's impossible. I mean, it's really impossible. Anyone can admit that's impossible, but the whole purpose was to elicit frustration. Like, yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm hopeless. This could happen. I'm helpless. And I want to see how stressful this can become to people like, wow. Right. The other group, same experience, but they had aromatherapy and they were diffusing limonene and vanillin, which essentially the primary components of orange and vanilla, which many people know as the smell of your dreamsicle, your creamsicle, your orange Julius, whatever that beautiful, it's almost like a ubiquitously love smell. Many, many, most people, like a majority of the people out there smelling will like that. Everyone, as far as I recall, everyone reported enjoying the smell in the aromatherapy group. But the thing that was shocking about the study to the level that they enjoyed the smell, they received like the exact opposite effect on their mental health. So the more they enjoyed their smell, the less hopeless they felt, the more they enjoyed the smell, the less stressed 
the less frustrated, the less burned out. It was like, okay, I can't figure this out, but it's not a big deal. But the other people, they had nothing. They had this clinical sterile setting, smelled like whatever the room smelled like. And it was like everyone reported high levels of stress or burnout or frustration, anxiety, hopelessness, helplessness. Who has not gone through a helpless or maybe even hopeless experience the last 18 to 20 months at the time of this recording? I mean, virtually everyone on the planet, I'm assuming, has had one level or another of having their life changed to a point where maybe a little bit of helplessness, maybe a little bit of hopelessness, maybe a little bit of just burnout overwhelm crept in. To some people, it's been so overwhelming that 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 has led to them taking their own life. And that has been a significant, significant um, collateral damage, so to speak, of all the things that we've dealt with with COVID. And so if there's something that you could do today, you could get a tablespoon of olive oil if it's in your kitchen or coconut oil, put three drops of vanilla essential oil or known as oleo resin or extra, it's not vanilla's McCormick that you get at the supermarket. It's, it's a resin, it's a CO2 extract, you, you'll absolute. Or in three drops of orange. So again, three drops of orange, three drops of vanilla, put that with a tablespoon of any oil that you have in the house, like a coconut or olive oil. That becomes what we call our joyful. That is a proven remedy to help reduce overwhelm and burnout, increase your, your mood, elevate healthy, happy hormones and neurotransmitters, and maybe give you that edge, that slight competitive edge, so that when crap hits the fan this week or today and something else happens, you, you're foolish enough to put on the news and you get another dose of death, like maybe that will help you not fall to the point where you're like, wow, I can't do this. And it's preventative. And, you know, we've been doing this for years, like not really knowing we just love the smell. And I know there's great benefits in orange. I know there's great benefits vanilla, but we've made this joyful body oil it was in our first book. My first book I wrote, what, four years ago, five years ago, we've been putting this on our kids every, you know, we go through seasons, but during the season of joyful, that's what we put on our kids every day. Send them off to school. The teachers always say, your kids always smell so good. And they love smelling the kids because they smell good. Our kids are like walking diffusers, right? And then they make some, and they're like, well, your kids are always so happy. Yeah, the kids have bad days like any kid, but they're generally happy. Like we are giving them that quote, competitive advantage over life, over obstacles. So that at least they have an upper hand, not realizing, wow, no wonder. And now as more research is being done, why am I mentioning this? practical things that we could be doing throughout the day. You're going to put something hopefully on your body after you shower or bathe to help moisturize. You really do. You need good, healthy moisturization. You don't want dry cracked skin. You don't want leaky skin. Like again, your skin's a sponge. Chemicals absorb into your bloodstream. Be careful. You're going to put some moisturizer. Why not just try what I suggested? I mean, we, we have dozens of salve recipes and other creams. Like you can make it thicker, lighter, whatever. I mean, we got all that stuff in the book, but why not put that on your body? And that's pennies on the dollar compared to some of this expensive, you know, smelly stuff, right? The toxic stuff. Why not put that on your body after you shower? Why not, you know, give your lover a foot rub or a neck rub with something like that? And if you like the smell, why not put a couple drops in your diffuser? 
that's cool. If you like it really that much, put a couple drops in hand sanitizer. If you like it really that much, like it could become your cleaning salve, right? Just think the sky's the limit. And it's just, it's super easy once you get into the groove. And those are just two little things. Again, just using orange. And then if you're looking at more advanced strategies and protocols for those chronic conditions that are really debilitating our brothers and sisters around the world, that's really where we dive deep. Like that's where we land for, you know, 50 pages worth of references alone. Like we're talking a lot of research is done in this book to show, look, this is how we approach fibromyalgia. Might you want to consider this for arthritis? Hey, Alzheimer's dementia, think about this. And we look at using essential oils medicinally. And there's a lot to be said, a lot to be said about what we could do in conjunction with whatever your doctor is recommending or alone, depending on what your situation is, you can, and I hope you can find the solution to what might be ailing you. So you can live a symptomless disease-free life and just enjoy, enjoy. So when you get a headache, which will happen, I, I, I almost guarantee it. Like I just got a headache last week. It was just like, I never get headaches a few times a year. And I was like, what's wrong? Ah, good. It was like the red light engines off button on my, or whatever, the warning light on my car, like something's wrong here. I'm like, oh yeah, man. And then I had to do a little soul searching, do a little, whatever it might've been. Just life happens sometimes, but to be so sensitive to your body where now you're taking cues and I didn't like take a drug for the headache. I'm like, okay, what happened here? Why? And then remedied it. Yeah. I had some essential oils maybe to help kind of get through the symptom for a second. But you know what, to, to live a life and I want to encourage people with this. And I know I'm 41 years old and I know people like, Oh, you're 41. Remember Enoch, he's 78, zero drugs, like little to no symptoms. As far as I know, I just saw him yesterday at a friend's birthday party. If he's 78 years old, he could still bench press 250 pounds and run circles around me and my kids. If he could live that way without being on pharmaceuticals. Yes, he uses essential oils, but it's nutrition, it's prayers, meditation, it's having a life of purpose. There's so much to be said about living a life that has meaning and, you know, to see that with him, you know, can't throw away that I'm only 41. Age is just a number, but it's possible. It's possible to live that way. And when stuff happens, I'd rather be prepared. And so that's why we'll show you how to make over your medicine cabinet, how to make over your first aid kit. And more importantly, have those advanced strategies and protocols at your fingertips so you could be a source of hope and light for others. Yeah, beautiful. So the that kind of olfactory sense, the, the, the aromatherapy, obviously that's one very powerful way of administering plants, oils, topically, which I think is, is something we, we often forget about, uh, that, that the skin absorbs so much. Uh, you know, even things from like putting a, a filter on your shower to, to yes. using, using a natural oil. And that's probably something a lot of people don't think about too, is most lotions are just an oil emulsified with water so that your body absorbs it better. So, you know, using high quality oil carrier oils, using high quality essential oils as, as treatments. Yep. One of the well, things- the transdermal it, patch though, right? I mean, what, what's in your pain killing patch? What's in your, you're helping you with nicotine patch. Think of it like that. 
So if you're if you're if people are putting patches on their skin to, to have the body absorb pharmaceutical grade drugs for pain and addiction and now mood, everything's to a patch. Imagine doing the same thing naturally. So I want to, yeah, I just want to add that. Like that's how that works. Just like you take a pill, you know, for a, an issue, health issue, you could put essential oils into a capsule and take a pill that way too. So through faction through transdermal application and through ingestion, all three ways that medicine is being used. We could, again, that's just, that's nature. I mean, medicine is hijacked what, you know, our answers have been doing for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. And, and that was the question. So that, that third way of taking them orally, um, yes. there's often a lot of, uh, I think, concern, but also just not necessarily people maybe doing a deeper dive of what that means. Because there, there's often some uh, some concern of, well, essential oils are dangerous because they're, they're so concentrated that you're going to have an adverse effect. Uh, but maybe not looking at a bigger picture that, that that's true with anything. I mean, that's why when mm -hmm. you get mm -hmm. a pharmaceutical medicine, there's a, <laughs> there's a very specific yes. dose that you take. And yes. with the understanding that if you take too much, it's going to have deleterious side effects. So yes. can you speak a little bit about what those principles are? And, and, uh, because I think for a lot of people, they would just think, well, taking essential oils orally is a no-go because it's too dangerous. And yet, that that doesn't make sense for from a certain perspective. So how would one go about and, and I'm sure you, you talk a lot about this in your book, but just yeah. a general overview yeah. of, of is that okay? And, and what are the things to think about when one is doing that? So there's, we're talking about two different dosing. One is a culinary dose, which you're doing all day long every day. So going back to what I shared earlier, anything that you eat that has a flavor to it is essential oil based. It's either actual essential oil based or it's synthetic essential oil based. And so just think about that. 50% of all the oils manufactured on the market are used by the food and flavor industry. It's what flavors your Coca-Cola. It's just, it's just the way that it is. So just know that you're ingesting, but again, you're ingesting parts per million. When you go to a culinary dose, that's where people are concerned. So people aren't concerned about ingesting them culinary wise because there are all day, every day. So how you do that is you just put like a drop and we have the right ratios and recommendations, but a drop of lime and a drop of guacamole, um, a drop of cilantro and your guacamole. It's a really nice way of enhancing the flavor, add more antioxidants and a nice, you know, detoxifying effect, but it, it's wow. It's like power punch flavor. Uh, we give you the examples of how to replace zests and spices and herbs and all that stuff in the book. But when you're talking culinary, okay, there is concern and there should be. And that's why in the back of the book, we have a drug interaction chart. And it, as far as I know, it's the only thing readily available to the home user on the planet that, that clearly shows which essential oil, which method could interact with the most prescribed drugs in the context of my book are the chronic conditions drugs, which is, you know, all your, your anxiety drugs, your depression drugs, the most common, you know, chemotherapy, blah, 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 blah. Right, all those different things. So we show you these are what you need to be careful of. And a little sneak peek is 99% of all the potential interactions has to do with ingesting really only like a dozen different drugs that are available on the market. You just got to be careful, you know, blue tansy and wintergreen being two of them. You just got to be really, really, really careful. And some of them are flat out contraindicated. Others are cautions. 
And we need to be worrisome that some essential oils can interact with the metabolic pathways and prevent certain enzymes from breaking down drugs, which can then cause a huge problem. So just like you shouldn't be just taking drugs from five, again, you should be going to one healthcare practitioner, ideally, and getting advice from one healthcare practitioner. At the very least, if you have multiple, they all need to be working together. Because if you're going to two different medical doctors for two different conditions, and both of them are prescribing different things, you have no idea what can be happening inside of you. Especially if you're getting the farm from two different pharmacies, you need to know if there are potential interactions. And so that's what I talk about in the book, any potential interactions, how to navigate that. And more importantly, how to use essential oils. So you're, you're, you're not going to hurt yourself. Like you just don't drink three, four drops. Don't put them on your tongue. Um, putting them in your food helps because there's a fatty carrier oil. It prevents burning the mucous membranes. It helps from um, irritating the esophagus. But when you apply essential oils internally, when you ingest them as medicine, you got to always use a capsule, just like you would a drug. I mean, just, just like you would your, any other pharmaceutical that you take is in a capsule form of one sort or a tablet. We could do vegan gel capsules. And for the gut, you want a time release capsule because you don't want that digested by the gastric juices. You want that to be broken down in the intestines. So we go cover all that stuff, but safe. And there is dosing, all right? So there is dosing. Um, three to six drops is typically the range that you're going to land in when you're doing internal dosing for, for medicine once to twice a day, you got to look at daily oral dose. You got to look at single dose. Like this is treating your own health condition, hopefully under the guidance of a healthcare professional that can help you navigate it. Um, at the very least, if you are on any sort of care, you need to be letting your doctor know what you're doing. Um, just be careful, just be careful. And it can be highly effective, highly effective. Could you give a, a few examples? Uh, I mean, three, three maybe conditions that come to mind that, that are really common, uh, anxiety being one, as you mentioned, gut issues being a second. And I think you mentioned earlier on diabetes, those, those three seem to be really common things. Could, yeah. could taking essential oils orally uh, be used for, for those? Yeah. Peppermint capsules, enteric time-release peppermint coated, I'm sorry, enteric Time release capsules with peppermint has been shown to greatly reduce the symptoms of SIBO, um, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Um, it can help with ulcerative colitis, Crohn's can help with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Wonderful, wonderfully effective. Caraway can also help. Um, anxiety, yeah, anxiety can be approached multiple ways though, because of the wonderful inhalation benefit through the olfactory system, you want to inhale the same essential oils because of the impact of the brain. But bergamot and neroli are two essential oils that really stand out when it comes to anxiety. And um, again, there's several, several, I'm just pointing out like patchouli, Palo Santo. I mean, there's several across the world, but those two really highlight. And um, you mentioned, what was the other one you mentioned? Uh, it was diabetes. Cause you had mentioned yeah, diabetes, really. cinnamon. Yeah. And fenu, there's a blend actually there's a blend researched, um, or oregano rich in carvacrol, um, fenugreek, cumin and cinnamon bark, that blend itself, but all those oils itself, but that blend specifically had a wonderfully impactful effect on increasing insulin sensitivity, which is a big deal. Again, this is root cause 
resolution, not just taking a bunch of cinnamon to help lower your numbers. So you could pass a test. Like this is trying to help your cell receptors, um, be more sensitive to insulin. So it starts to naturally work better. So it's one of those trying to heal from within, not just that outside in approach. And so, yes, that again, the recipes are in the book based off of what the researchers look at. So when the researchers say, Hey, these two oils together really make a profound impact. Then we're like, okay, and then try this, right? You know, try this at home. Then that's our approach is based off of the research, making these scientific evaluations approachable to the home user. Yeah. Great. Well, Eric, this was wonderful. Um, if, if, people are interested in your book, what, uh, what would they expect from that? If they're, they, you know, maybe they've heard of essential oils, listening to this interview, there, there's something that, that sparked their interest. Uh, what does that book give to them? What does that allow them to, to, to begin to integrate these things into their lives? The essential oils apothecary will give you the beginner understanding, the, 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 the first step of how to approach essential oils, how to look at your home holistically and how to start to one by one detoxify it, giving you some practical things that you could do going back to the home and body care products. But more importantly, it dives deep and it really is going to give you advanced strategies and protocols for what I have considered the 25 most debilitating and dangerous, even life-threatening chronic conditions and how to use essential oils as part of your, what I call natural living protocol. So it really is that it's, it's, it's a ton of information that is not meant to be a digested in one sitting. The, I would recommend that people read the first two sections. You could read that the first section, especially just get the understanding. Let's be on the same page. Let's talk about what these are and how to use them. And section two are those little nagging symptoms. I say nagging because they're typically not life-threatening, um, but they are um, dangerous, right? Um, erectile dysfunction, libido, stress, anxiety, even depression and substance abuse, I know can be life-threatening, but by and large, these are the things that really rob people of the daily abundant life. They, they typically don't rank as the top 10 causes of disease. And then the third section of the book, I cover those top 10 causes of disease, fatty liver, cancer, COPD, Alzheimer's, dementia, heart disease. And it's like symptoms and symptoms that all of us are going to experience one point or another, right? Whether it's being stressed or anxious or, or you know, not being in the mood to be with your, your, your lover. Like all of us will experience that at times in our life, having things at our disposal, little strategies to help with that. That's awesome. That's section two. But for those people who are really looking at preventing and possibly treating a chronic condition, a disease, that's where you pick and choose. If you don't have epilepsy, probably not going to read that chapter and that's fine, but at least it's available if maybe someone in your life could use some help. So the third chapter is really kind of choose your own adventure. I'm sorry. The third section is more choose your own adventure. And I would advise that people all read the Alzheimer's for sure. Alzheimer's is one that everyone needs to look at because it's something that is on the rise and we're seeing it exponentially grow and rising in the ranks of top killers in the world. And something I think everyone will get some aha moments like, wow, I didn't realize that, or I didn't think about that. That'd be one I really want to encourage people and the fatty liver chapter. Most people haven't heard of it, but one third of all adults on the planet 
battle and suffer from fatty liver and they have no idea. And so that's something I want to encourage people to look at just in case and give you some ideas of how to approach that holistically. Um, Hopefully you get a lot of good information from the diabetes and obesity chapter, not for you maybe, but for a loved one who could use some help. And that's it. It's just freely share this. And if you go to our website, and I'll end with this, we have a website um, titled eoapothecary.com. You go to eoapothecary.com and you get the book. And as a thank you for getting the book, you can sign up for, we have a bonus gift for you. And we recorded my wife and I about six and a half hours of masterclass video showing you how to make uh, 16 of the recipes, everything from our libido blend to heart, um, to heart health for blood pressure and potential stroke remission and all that. We show you how to make them and we talk more because there's only so much you can cover in a book. We go really in depth with this. And then we have recipe cards and PDFs and guides because I want you to see the dilution charts, right? Print it out. Beautiful, laminate it, done. You know how to dilute now. You know how to make your roller bottles. You know how to make a capsule. All of the basic, all of the basic recipes, your salves, your body care, your sprays, your capsules, all that stuff, we give you a recipe card. You can just print it, put it in your, what I call your natural living or essential oils binder and use that for future use. Share it with a loved one. You know, it's a gift. It's a gift to the world and it's a gift to your family. And hopefully you enjoy the book. I mean, hopefully you enjoy it and you get a lot out of it. Yeah, when you were speaking, I, I, I was reminded uh, of just a few things of, 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 how, of how long these plants have been used for, even in yes. this, this, this way of, of, of inhalation. I, I was thinking uh, the other day, I read a study that came out of Israel, and they were saying that in these very ancient uh, tombs and religious, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe there were synagogues, or maybe it was even pre that, but uh, they found uh, like resins of frankincense. Yes. They, yes. they found uh, marijuana that was being burned. Um, even, you know, we were talking about viruses and plagues. I, I know in Europe, uh, all of the, the morticians who were going around and, and picking up these bodies, they would all smoke tobacco religiously. And, and it was this idea that it was like warding off these viruses. And, uh, I mean, even today tobacco is used as a very powerful antiviral. It's, <clears throat> it's used as a pesticide and herbicide. And then also, I mean, very specifically with essential oils, uh, there's a really common essential oil blend. It's often called thieves oil. I think Young Living has a, uh, probably a trademark on that. But, but this idea that also during the plague, the, <laughs> the, the story goes that these guys were, were robbing all of these houses that, that where all of these people had died. And, and finally, the police caught them. And they were like, how did you get away with this for so long? Like, how did you yes. not die? You're going into all of these, these places where sickness has been. And, and they eventually, the story goes, they, they made like a plea bargain with them where they're like, if you give us your secret, we'll let you go. And they were using these, uh, you know, five or six essential oils that became known as thieves blend because they, they were thieves and it had prevented them from getting sick. And so, you know, really just to show the power of these plants and, and how they've been used since, you know, probably time immemorial in oh, a yeah. very practical way. And that like, you know, thieves, uh, point or the, the tobacco, but, but also in a religious sense that, you know, mm -hmm. these were things that, uh, were evoking something in people through that power of smell, through that power of, of altering our brain chemistry to, to be more in touch with 
I think what you really pointed to in the beginning is, is also this higher purpose, which I think is something that's super important that we often uh, don't think about that, that these, you know, these, these things are very powerful and they, they, they serve so many functions and, and to look at it on all of those levels, I, I think really is true healing. So I, I really commend you for doing that because I, I think it's a beautiful path you're doing and, and sharing that knowledge is, is super important. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that's the path of really any healers. We have to, we have to begin with ourselves. We have to heal ourselves to heal, as you said, our own temple. And as that begins to happen, then we're able to share. So, um, yeah, I appreciate Amen. that, Eric. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been delightful. We've talked about a lot of different things and I, I, I just appreciate the opportunity and just hope and pray and speak an abundant blessing over you, your work and everyone listening. And I just want to encourage people. I just want to encourage people to embrace whatever it is, because you've shared so many wonderful things in your series of podcasts, interviews, and I know you are, just to focus on the things that resonate with you and enjoy the process. It's really about the journey and focusing on the low-hanging fruit, those things that are easy to implement that you can afford and go from one thing to another and, and just, just know that we are truly, that you are truly capable of thriving in the midst of whatever might be around you. You could thrive during this wonderful season that we have that we call life and be a source of hope and inspiration for everyone around you. So I just speak that abundant blessing over you and your listeners. Thanks again for having me, buddy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. And, and, uh, you mentioned the website. If people want to buy the book, uh, if they want to learn more about you, uh, is the website the best way? Are there other ways people can can learn about you, or that's the best way to to get to that? Yeah, yeah. The Essential Oils Apothecary is the book. It's available everywhere books are sold. Our bonus gifts, videos, and PDFs and recipe cards are at eoapothecary.com. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate thank it. You. I pre appreciate the work you're doing. And uh, I hope people do do reach out and, and buy the book. I, I think it's such an important thing, it really, to begin to change one's lifestyle, to, to look at things from a broader perspective and to take control. I mean, that's what so much of, uh, of my work is about working with plants is really that idea of empowerment and, and, and bringing that back, looking at things from all of these levels. And, and I think it's a wonderful thing you're doing. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. And, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll cross paths at, at some point down the line. All right, everybody, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric. I really enjoyed sitting down and speaking to him. Uh, I think he does a really beautiful job of, of conveying uh, not just the power of essential oils, but uh, just the power of medicine and, and, and thought and, and lifestyle in general. So it was a real pleasure for me. Um, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help. Patreon is a beautiful option. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there's different tiers you can sign up for, and they give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. Uh, so that's a really big help uh, to me to continue to make these shows. To all the people who have done that, thank you very much. As always, I really appreciate it. There's also the option to direct donate via PayPal. Uh, also with the YouTube channel, you can join the channel. Um, I'll put a link to all all of those in the show notes. If you're not able to do that, um, as always, subscribing to the show is a really big help. Turning on the notification bell, liking the videos, any questions, comments, uh, leave those in the comments section. All of those things really help with the algorithms to get this show out to a bigger audience. So uh, I think that's it. Um, after this, I have... Uh, 
uh, Samer coming on. He's a, a local guy here in the Sacred Valley who works with uh, Wachuma, San Pedro. Um, really beautiful conversation. Um, and then uh, also one of the episodes will actually be with me. Uh, it'll be an interview that uh, I did where I was interviewed. So I'm putting that out. And then after that, I'm actually going to be headed to the jungle for a couple months. Um, so I'm not exactly sure the order after that. But I hope to do some uh, really good interviews with some of the people I work with down there, some of the Shipibo. Uh, there's Matze Selder, who I hope to interview. Um, so some some really good guests, I hope. So I think that's it. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for the support. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope everyone is well, and I will see you all on the next episode. So